Welcome to another episode of Alaska Motorsports Podcast. Sit back and enjoy the ride. Welcome back, folks. Once again, this is Mike from Alaska Motorsports Podcast, coming to you from Eagle River, Alaska. With me today is a lady I made friends with in one of our abate meetings. Everybody told me that we needed to bring her on the podcast and let her talk because she's got millions of miles of bike riding, years of bike riding, and she is one of those people that takes the three-wheeler out in the wintertime. Got to give him credit. I don't know if I could do it, but <laughs> once again, this is Patty Bogan. Welcome, Patty. I appreciate you taking the time for me. Hi, and thank you for having me. In fact, I just got back from a ride a couple of hours ago. I rode out to Wasilla and back. Oh, really? How, how was That's that? I mean, fabulous, the... fabulous day. Well, the Glen's pretty it's clear, nice isn't it? Day. It, it was not, yeah, the roads are really clear. The weather was not as clear today as it was yesterday, but it doesn't matter. I was out and about. My knees were in the breeze, and I had a great time. Yeah, that's all that matters. This is the time of year that I I watch, you know, because I, I do a lot of riding back and forth to work, especially with the price of gas now. I'm going to be doing it, but I'm oh, watching yeah. all the roads. The biggest problem I have is, the first 50 feet in front of my house and then it pretty much I could ride. So I haven't got the bikes out of storage yet, but it's coming up soon. So Patty, why don't you tell us how you got started and riding and when and all that? Well, I met a guy through something called the Sunday singles back in 1990. The Sunday singles are the equivalent of online dating these days, except it was through the newspaper and the classified advertising. So we met up. You just you just aged yourself right there. I'm sorry to tell you, you just aged yourself. <laughs> I didn't okay, even ask. I, I didn't even ask you how old you are. But when you talk about the classifieds in the Sunday newspaper, <laughs> I'm 75 years old. I just turned 75 this month. God bless you. I wasn't going to ask you because I have learned. I've been married long enough, and I've learned you never ask a woman her age. So I wasn't going to ask you. But thank you I'm for telling proud us. I've made it this far. Yeah, you have. So. So I met him, and he rode motorcycles and had taken me for rides. So we were over at the Harley shop one day because, as usual, he had lost some parts off his old 76, which we called the shaker because it blew it threw parts off all the time. So we were over there for him to get some parts, and I sat on a motorcycle. It was an 84 Superglide. My feet touched the ground. My knees were bent. I was flat-footed. Everything was absolutely perfect. But I wasn't sure that I wanted to ride, except I fell in love with this little candy apple red bike. Red is just, you know, red rules, right? Yeah, yeah. So Racing I fell in red. love with this bike. It was so pretty. So I did not have a motorcycle license, so Barry from the Harley shop took me for a ride on it. 
I ended up purchasing the bike on multiple credit cards. You know, a thousand here, five hundred there, fifteen hundred there. And my significant person, Biker Bill, walked out. He was embarrassed by what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> Back then, Barry Barry let me buy the whole thing on credit cards. You know, nowadays you can't do that. I think you could put maybe five grand down or something mm-hmm. and that's it. So that's how I ended up on a motorcycle myself. But I was already registered for a motorcycle safety course through a bait. So I did not yet have a license, but I rode that bike to my abate class and I took the class. I passed. Everything was fine. And I just fell in love with riding. And so I was an absolute addict. Can we go ride? Can we go ride? Can we go ride? Every day it was like that. And I think at one point he started paying people to ride with me because he just got tired of going every single day. No kidding. And so... I I rode quite a bit, but I'd never I'd never been really anywhere. So the first long trip that I did was in 1992. That was the 50th anniversary of the Alaska Canada Highway, and a bunch of us went to Whitehorse. It was an organized ride to go to Whitehorse for the anniversary. It was the most god awful trip ever. You know, I'm still a newbie on a motorcycle, and I, you know, there were so many things that scared me. Gravel scared me. Dirt scared me. Mud scared me. Rain scared me. And I just, I wasn't sure. You know, I loved it, but I wasn't sure. Coming back from Whitehorse, we hit some hellacious rain. It was just awful, and it was so cold. And I had a $5 rain suit that was shredded. It was it was just in shreds. We pulled into this place that's not it's not there anymore. It's closed down since. I can't remember the name. As we pulled into the gas station there, I could barely get my feet off the pegs. I couldn't control my hands. They were basically frozen to my hand grips. So my my hands had to be pried off the grips because I just didn't have any feeling or anything in them. I have to say that if somebody, you know, had said, hey, I'll take that bike off your hands if you'll pay me, I think I might have taken them up on it because I was so miserable. So We've all had those miserable rides. We have all had them. And I've had a bunch of them, but that one really stands out in my mind because it was just the very beginning of my riding and you wonder if you're ever if you're really going to continue doing it. Mm-hmm. But I did. And in 93 there were six of us that went out to York, Pennsylvania to the Harley factory and we purchased motorcycles there and then we went cross country. We went to Milwaukee for I think it was the 90th anniversary of the motor company. Then we rode across and put them in Seattle and stored them there for the for the winter and then went back out the next year in 94. In 94, we rode up to Kaziar and came home, and that was another miserable trip because it rained all the way. And I think it's called Bell 2 or something, was shut down. The cooks had quit. There was no lodging. We ended up camping in the rain, and somebody in a motorhome took pity on us and offered us coffee and soup. 
was, you know, another one of those trips with, you know, Alaska and Canada rain. It was yep. awful. Yeah. And I happen to know firsthand that a warm cup of coffee and some warm soup on those days, it just warms you right to the bone. And, and it, it, it's the best meal that you've had in a long time. I know. I've, I've it certainly is. Yeah. It can make or break you just something as simple as that and as simple as someone just being kind yeah. when they can see that this miserable. But we got home back here, but I guess part of it is we traveled. And one of the things that stands out in my mind is going to Yellowstone National Park. I'd never been to any of these places, you know, born and raised in Alaska. I'd never been out of the state all that much, except maybe a trip for business or something. So we went to Yellowstone and I saw Old Faithful for the very first time. And I just started to bawl because I never, ever thought I would see things like that. These were things you see in a movie. They're things that you see in a book, but they weren't things I would ever see in person. Those are the types of things that we have done. You know, we've been to a lot of the parks over the years. I've been to Sturgis. They're all pretty cool experiences. And if you've never done some of them, I guess I would say spread your wings and fly out there and fly a little bit and try something new and exciting and be adventurous. Go see something you've never seen before. Ride a bike in the lower 48 if you haven't. There's a whole world out there and there are so many roads. It's unbelievable the number of roads that you can find out there to drive to ride on. And I think that's one of the reasons I leave the States so much anymore, because it isn't just north or south. There's, you know, there's thousands of roads you can take, and there's something to see on almost all of them. New and exciting things, fun things. And there's there's things you can see for free. You can, you can look at, I think it's what, Roadside America attractions or something so many of these things are free you could see well one of the things that i saw in alabama was a coon hound graveyard mm. and it was all coon hounds and it was a a graveyard a cemetery a, a dog cemetery that was used in the movie sweet home alabama so these are things that are free and you can just go and look at them it's pretty fun yeah. <laughs> you know you think about it. it sounds like you've done a lot of traveling do you set out and say, oh, I'm headed to Florida this time, or you just go down there and just get on the bike and start riding? Uh, I mean, do you make reservations, or how do you plan your trips? Actually, I do both. I Biker Bill taught me how to do my traveling, and we would travel maybe two or 300 miles in a day, but we would stop and see things. We would not make reservations. We would just say, okay, well, we want to stop here tonight, and we would look for a hotel, and that's where we would stay. These days, you can't do that. Maybe five or six years ago, I had been told you need to start making reservations because there's so there are so many people traveling now that it's more difficult to, to get a reservation somewhere. So usually what I or my friends and I do if I'm traveling with others, we'll stop maybe around noon and say, where do we want to be tonight? Then we look online. We look at hotels, we look at the reviews because we have stayed in some real crap holes, yeah. hotels over the years, and then we make that call or we book it online. You know, we're a little more savvy, I think, now than we used to be. But, you know, back then we didn't have cell phones and we didn't have internet to do those things either. So, you know, we've come a long way in what we can do and what we do now. If it's 
okay, so I'm doing a couple of things this summer. Usually what happens is I have a couple of things planned and the rest of it might be open. I intend to go to SeaTac the first part of May. Alaska Airlines does what is called a fallen soldier cart. They design and prepare these and they're to take, they're to transfer the remains of the military from the aircraft to, you know, whether it's a hearse or whatever. And these carts have been built and taken to different airports throughout the United States. The one this year, I believe, is going to Kansas City. So I will go to SeaTac and help escort that down to Ontario, California, which is where Run for the Wall starts and goes to D.C. I will not be on the route from there that the card is going on. I think that one is going on something called Central Route. I'll be on the Midway Route. And so I will be participating in Run for the Wall again this year and going to D.C. And from there on to the Middle East Conflicts Wall in Marseille, Illinois, and from there to Perryville, Missouri for the Vietnam Veterans Wall that is a complete replica of the one that's in D.C., right down to misspelled names, the same size, everything. So on these on this trip, there are reservations made every night. We have a list of hotels and so we call and make reservations for those because there are so many people traveling these routes with the run for the wall that you may or may not get into a hotel. So those are reservations I make. Now, last year after I did one of these rides, it was called the Heartland Heroes Tour, I took off, ended up staying with a friend that I had met on the run in South Dakota. I still had time and I thought, oh, I can go down and see Superman in Metropolis, Illinois. Took off, went south stopped in Chester, I think, Illinois, and saw Popeye. They have all these statues of Popeye. These are spur-of-the-moment things. And I guess that's what makes it kind of an adventure when you're not 100% sure where you're going or what you're going to see. It's just spontaneous. So I end up doing both, and I love doing both of them. You know, I like to travel with people. I like to travel with a group or one or two other people or by myself. I like it all. You have already got planned more miles on your bike than I had planned on mine this year. My big trip this year is going to be ride to Valdez, but it seems like it's just a weekend trip. Well, it is. It's just a weekend trip compared to what you're up to. Um, No, you could make it a day trip. You know, I have before. (laughs) I I know you can do it in a day, but I haven't been to Valdez and my wife hasn't, and we just want to go down and spend the you know, the weekend down there and check out the sites and so forth. You know, if you get good weather going down there and going through up over the pass and everything and the glacier, it's just such a beautiful ride and Worthington Glacier is nice. And if, if you go up over the pass, hopefully it's clear. I've ridden through it in fog is not that much fun. I had a friend, friend and I were, were going to Valdez and hit the top of that and we were in fog that we couldn't see through and worried about somebody, you know, hitting us from behind or us running into the back of somebody in front of us. It was, you know, it was pretty spooky. But Valdez is, I, I could spend more than a night there. I mean, just because it's so pretty. Yeah, that's, that's what I've been told. I've been yep. here, I've been here quite a few years now and I have never made it to Valdez. I just, 
It's always been on the to-do list. A bunch of my coworkers said they were going to do it, and they never did. And so it's happening this year. So it, it's happening. That's all I can say is we've made reservations, and we've got the plans, and I got the time off from work. So hopefully we can make it work. But as I said, you're already planning on spending more miles on the road than, than I am going to be able to pull off. But I still do work for a living. So yeah, uh, well, I, and, and it's, I it's sometime hard. Yeah. I, I, do, so I do plan I, on when I retire and doing what you're doing, but till then I can only make do with what I what I have time for. You know, when I worked, that's what we had to do. Also, mm-hmm. you take your vacation and you you plan your ride around your vacation days. Maybe it was three weeks, four weeks, six weeks, whatever. Yeah. But not everybody has such a liberal vacation policy our vacation policy where i worked was you just got leave and you chose to use it however you wanted you whether it was for sick leave or for a vacation yeah and i was real stingy about taking any days off being sick so patty uh the first thing i gotta ask you is i know you ride three-wheelers out in the in the snow uh, all winter long you ride all winter long right um, I did this year. I have for a couple of years now, uh, and I am certainly not one that is particularly special. There's a couple other people out there that are way more special about this than I ever will be because they ride pretty much every day, and I don't. Yeah. just you ride. So I'm just going to assume, but you on your trike, I'm assuming that you have studded tires? Yes, okay. I do. Now – Educate me if you would, because I'm not saying that I wouldn't ride in the wintertime. I just don't have a bike to do it. And so obviously I'm not going to do it. How is your stopping and how is, you know, I mean, how are all these things with these Alaskan roads in the wintertime? Motorcycles are always, you're looking for gravel because you're afraid you're going to slip. And when you put your Mm -hmm. feet, well, can you enlighten me a little bit on how it is to ride in the wintertime up here? I learned pretty quickly not to use my front brake because it does nothing but slide across the ice. The The trike that I'm riding is 1,000 pounds, which seems like quite a bit of weight, but you still can slide, but it also allows you to be flexible and to maneuver better than a lot of the cars can. I feel safer on my trikes than I do in my car. I don't have studded tires on my vehicle. And so... You can slide around a corner, but as long as it's con- a controlled slide, you're okay. And it's like in a car, you know, when you when you slide and you control it by turning it the opposite way, it's kind of the same thing. But I think, you know, there I I just ride them. I just ride them and put gas yeah. in them. That's all yeah. I really want to do. I don't know anything about how they operate or why they do a certain thing or not, but. I have learned, you know, if I hit that front brake on ice or even on pavement that's dry, it'll slide because yeah. of the stud. What do you wear? Do you wear heated gear or you just wear good leathers? What do you wear to protect yourself? A lot. Just a <laughs> lot of layers, huh? I Well, I I have heated grips on the bike. I also have the mitts like snow machiners use over the heated grips, which keep some of the wind off of me. I don't have really heavy gloves because I do have heated grips. I have battery operated insoles for my shoes. I, I usually wear just a hiking shoe, a waterproof hiking shoe. I have really good 
um, FXRG gear for my jacket and my pants. I have a, a, an electric jacket liner that I have that I use. I wear a neck gaiter, a fleece neck gaiter. I don't wear a helmet mostly, which I know that's against what a lot of people think. Mm -hmm. I do wear it occasionally. You know, it depends on the weather, but I do wear a, a fleece hat. I have battery-operated gloves if it gets really, really cold because a friend, Tom Evans, zookeeper, and I rode to Barry Madison's Celebration of Life, didn't know what it was until we left, and supposedly it was, well, somebody said it was eight below, which it's like, dear God, why am I riding in this? Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine. And it was cold, but, you know, we, we felt that that was our way to honor Barry and, and celebrate his life was to ride to his, his celebration. Yeah. So, we, so I stay pretty warm, and I've been riding, you know, it's been in the 20s and the teens. I stay real warm. You know, I'm yeah. toasty. I have rode in 14 degrees. That's the coldest I've rode in, and I can't recall actually complaining about the ride. You know, yes, it's cold, and I don't have any electric heating devices. I just bundle mm -hmm. up, and I think the biggest problem that I've got is the wind coming up in the helmet. But I know they sell those snow machine helmets that have the, the neck thing on it. I, I haven't invested in them. I don't ride in the winter as much, so I don't really worry about it. Like I said, I've done 14 degrees, and... I know it was cold, but I got through it. I didn't die, so. <laughs> That's the important thing, right? Yeah. We didn't die. Yeah. And, you know, and, and it's kind of funny because in the beginning, before I got the trike, people said, oh, well, you should get a trike and ride in the winter. And I, I said, well, it's not practical for me because I'm not going to ride that much in the wintertime. But I broke my ankle in 2017. I'd ridden out with a friend, got down into a beach i guess it was sand and got myself into a mess down there i almost got out of it and i hit something under the sand fell over broke my ankle so when i got home i had gone over to the harley shop they had this little freewheeler on the floor and i said i can ride that with a broken ankle <laughs> yeah so i said i'll be in tomorrow i will get on that see if i like it and i'll i'll get it so i did that's i bought that little trike and I studied it up for that year. I didn't ride it a lot, but I did ride it. And this winter, I have ridden way more than I did for the previous three years. I have found I absolutely love riding in the wintertime. I love it. It's beautiful. There's not as much traffic. There's It's just different from riding in the summer. And it's it's just absolutely amazing to be out there in the cold and you know see moose and i saw the coyotes down at potter marsh the other day they were out on the ice you know these are things i wouldn't see in the in the summertime they're not going to be out there yeah exactly besides that the snow especially a fresh blanket of snow makes everything just look pretty you know uh, it does you could take the worst looking yard in a neighborhood and put a little snow <laughs> in it and it's it's most beautiful thing you could ask for Absolutely. In the mountains, you know, I going out to the valley today, I I look at the mountains, they're covered with snow, 
and they're just spectacular when you see them. Yep. There's nothing like it. And my wife nothing. says it every time we go out there. She says, doesn't it look like they were just hand-painted? And it does. I mean, <laughs> if you look at them, you think they were hand-painted, but they're not. No, it's it, they're absolutely gorgeous. And my favorite ride is going down Turnigan Arm. And, you know, in the summer, if I'm here, I'll ride it almost every day. I ride it almost if I ride if I'm riding, that's pretty much where I go. I ride Turnigan Arm. It's not as nice because there's there's construction going on. I don't like to have to stop. Sometimes it's worth it. Yeah, there's always construction on that road. <laughs> Why isn't that the truth? Yeah, I don't I don't know that there's I don't know of a summer that I've been up here that there wasn't some kind of construction on that road. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe someday they'll finish it, but I think it's like the Alcan. It will never ever be done. Yeah, exactly. So Patty, how many bikes do you own? Or uh, it sounds like you got four. some four. You got some stored down in the lower forty-eight. So when you go down there, you can catch up with them. I've got, well, I've got the old eighty-four. That's the one I first bought. I have a twenty seventeen Ultra Classic. I have the trike here, and I have a twenty nineteen Street Glide that's currently living in Idaho till I get down there the first of May. Okay. And that when I rode last year for about four and a half months, I guess, and I put 30,000 miles on it. Girl, you don't sit still, do you? No. Well, I, I don't guess want the to get his hands on me. Yeah. Uh, that's, <laughs> I guess that's the reason why Ken told me. By the way, Ken from uh, Bait has been bugging me to interview you because he says <laughs> she's got more stories and more miles than all of us put together. So. And it sounds like it's coming true. So you said that you have hit all 50 states? Ridden in all 50 states, 49 of them on my own motorcycle, Hawaii. I had to rent a bike. Hmm. Well, yeah, that's that wouldn't make you know, sense. I wasn't, yeah. wasn't going to ship it. And yeah. I've ridden in most of the provinces. In 1997, two friends and I rode to Newfoundland from here. So we rode across Canada, we took a ferry to Newfoundland, we went to Prince Edward Island, we came back across on the Confederate Bridge that had just opened up. So it was quite the adventure. Yes. It was great. We ate lots of lobster, too. How many miles do you think you put on a motorcycle in a year? Uh, 30, 35,000, yeah. probably. Maybe more this year, because I did, I did 30 last summer. Yeah. 35-ish is a yeah, good average. That, that's probably good. Last year, I did 10,000 miles in the summertime, and I thought that was a lot. But you're you're beating me for sure. You're beating me. <laughs> but you did more than the national average. That was always about 5,000 miles. Well, that's true. But I'm the type of person, if I need to run down the, the lows, as long as the product I'm purchasing will fit on the bike, I'm riding the bike. I just love the ride. I've been riding all my life and have just – absolutely enjoyed riding i'm just the opposite when it comes to doing errands i don't like to go on the bike i just want to get on and ride it i don't want to have to stop i don't want to have to lock everything up take off the gloves take off this take off that mm -hmm. i just want to ride yep. so i i usually use my car if i go grocery shopping or have a lot of errands to run and the bike i just get on it and go 
Well, if I didn't write it for my errands, I probably would never get to write it. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, there is that, right? You know, well, let's just say with the price of gas, I know that's going to change this year. Uh, my wife and I have already talked about that. That thing's going to come out of the garage every time I can ride. So, now I know, Patty. I know you're you're big into a bait too, which that's where you and I have met. What do you do with a bait, and can you tell our listeners, you know, your interest in a bait? I joined a bait probably the mid-90s, maybe. I became the director of HOG at the time, Harley Owners Group, and felt that I should be a member of a bait because they advocate for my biker's rights. And I had taken my motorcycle safety course through a bait also, which, you know, I can't stress enough that if someone wants to ride a motorcycle, that's where they need to start is taking a motorcycle safety course. But I was on the board years and years ago. I was more recently on the board. I am no longer on the board. I prefer at this point to do small things be more or less behind the scenes just because I'm not here during the summer. So I'm not here for the freeze up run or the breakup run or any of those Christmas in July. I'm gone a lot. So I'm not as active as maybe people would like me to be. And I'm, I'm kind of not a political animal either. Mm -hmm. That's, and that's part of it. But I a hundred percent, hundred ten percent believe in a bait. I believe in, you know, Alaskan bikers advocating training and education. That's what they've done from when I first joined. They've always done that. There's always been the motorcycle safety courses. I believe in them lobbying for different things through the legislature here in Alaska or in D.C. because these are the people that are watching over the rights for us. Because if if a bait didn't do it, there's nobody else out there that's going to do it. It may be something as, well, it's not exactly simple, but profiling. We don't really deal with profiling here, but in many of the states outside, they do. If somebody sees a biker going down the road, they assume that you are this, this, or that. Yes. And yet, that's not true. Most of the people that I ride with professional people they hold jobs they have families they contribute to their community they're not just going bar to bar they're not out there dealing in unsavory things they're just not yeah so you know it's a perception i think that's been out there forever and it's a real hard thing to change but abate works at that there are other organizations that do the same but the only way you really are going to get past some of that is to advocate for your rights and then to get out there and be seen, not just going down the road, but to contribute to your community and say, hey, you know, I'm a member of the biker community or show up on your motorcycle. I am part of an election and a nominating committee for my former workplace. I have ridden my motorcycle there. People look at you and think, wow but they see me and they know that i'm contributing to something yeah so i think that that's one of the things that you know we all should do we all should be members of a bait we all should should contribute to our community in some way you know whether it's through donating to causes or doing something for a bait you know is just some small thing everything helps everything 
Yes, every little moment of time. Uh, you know, I I helped uh, last year was the first year I helped with the bike blessing mm-hmm. since they moved it over to the mall over there, and I didn't realize how many people just put in maybe one or two hours. All those little pieces come together to make this huge event happen. Exactly. And that's why everybody should be involved in a bait. I mean, it's cheap. It's I think it's twenty five hours a year. Yeah, um, you, can, you can't belong to anything for you know no, for less. You can't. You can't. Of, um, of women on wheels, that's fifty dollars a year. Yeah. Yep. So you know it's it's cheap, and they so, do a good job. So Patty, I was going to ask you since we're probably going to wrap this thing up here shortly. Is there anything that you really want to get out there and say to the listeners? Any words of wisdom? I mean, you got a lot of miles on your bike, and I'm sure well, you've got something smart to say. <laughs> Well, I was thinking about this since you had asked me, I guess, first and foremost, if you think you want to ride a motorcycle, take a motorcycle safety course. The best part of it is you don't take it on a bike that you have purchased. You take it on a bike that is being provided for you. Then you're going to find out if you really want to ride or not. You know, don't put a bunch of money into a bike if you take a course and think, oh, I really don't want to do this or I'm not good at this. I don't want to. I hate it. Whatever. That's the first thing. The next thing is if you are traveling on a bike, always be prepared. And it seems like a real simple thing, but I've taken trips where I've been in triple digit heat. I've been in snow and hail and monsoon conditions. And you need to be prepared for every single one of them when you travel, every single one of them, because you don't want to be overheated, but you also don't want to get hypothermic. And I've been I've been at both ends of the spectrum and thought, wow, that was really stupid. But, you know, I've learned from all of these experiences. So I guess those are the two things that I would stress the most. Yeah. You um, know, if, if there's a female out there, you know, there. Females, I think, are, are the up-and-coming group. You know, there are yes, a lot of the yes, motor companies are marketing to the ladies. And many of them think, oh, I can't ride that bike. It's too big. Or I don't think I could ever ride. But if they take a motorcycle safety course, they can find out, yes, they can. I ride the biggest bike Harley makes, an ultra classic. Okay, if I if I tip over on it, yeah, I can't pick it up. I'm going to need some help. But if I can get that thing off the kickstand, and I can, I can ride it. Yeah. And so can they. And I've had a lot of different bikes over the years. I've had, well, I had the Super Glide. I've had a Heritage. I've had a Road King. I've had the Street Glide. You know, I've had multiple Ultra Classics. So they can do it. If they really want to, they can do it. And I have always told ladies that I've come across, you know, if you want to talk to me about riding motorcycles because you think you might want to, I am more than happy to talk to them. I love to talk to them. Well, if you don't mind, what I will do is I will put it out there that if anybody would like to chat with Patty, uh, they can go to my website at alaskamotorsportspodcast.com and they can shoot mm-hmm. me a message and I will absolutely get you connected with Patty. 
that would be awesome. You know, over the years, I have offered to ride with ladies, you know, when they're first starting out. There's not a single one that's ever taken me up on that. Really? And I, yeah, I, I've found it a little surprising. And then I've talked to a few of them that I've become good friends with and, you know, said, you know, I, I told you to give me a call or message me or something. Well, we were intimidated by you. Don't be. Because you know what? I remember how it was when I first pulled into the Harley shop. I was going to go on a group ride and it was this sea of black leather and all these motorcycles and all this noise and this and that and the other. And I was intimidated by it. But you know what? I persevered because I had somebody, Biker Bill, that was by my side and I felt that I could belong and I do belong. And I would like to do that for other ladies that might want to ride, whether it's a Harley or a Kawasaki or a Suzuki. It doesn't matter. What matters is if you want to ride, you can. And I am happy to talk to anybody that wants to ride. Well, Patty, let me tell you, you're a ray of sunshines of the motorcycle industry and the, you know, the, the riders here in Alaska, plus all over the country. I want to thank you for spending the time with me and getting the word out there and keep on trucking. That's the best thing I can oh. tell you. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, uh, I appreciate, I appreciate being asked to do this. You know, it's, it's an honor to me to be asked and to do these, to do a podcast or, uh, you know, or anything for the motorcycle community, because I believe in that community. Yep. I believe, in you know, abate, I believe in hog, I believe in women on wheels and there are other groups out there you know, I'm friends with a lot of these people in other groups and, you know, every group has its good side and they do things out there. And that's what we all need to do. Stick together and, and help our community out. Yep. All right, Patty. Well, I appreciate it very much. So this brings us to a close of another great podcast. Don't forget to tune in next time. You never know who's going to be my guest or what topic we might be covering. I want to remind everybody to subscribe and to follow us and to visit our website. Donations are greatly appreciated so I can continue to grow and bring great podcasts to you. If you have any questions or ideas for topics, email me at alaskamotorsportspodcast at gmail.com. And please, Always remember to sit back and enjoy the ride.